thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope you guys all had a very, 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 very Merry Christmas out there. Today, it's Tuesday, December 26th. And today is, that's right, it's National Winers Day for all you that just got nothing more than a lump of coal or maybe just a pack of socks for Christmas. It's also Thank You Note Day for all you real winners out there that got a shit ton of presents. And it's National Candy Cane Day. And it's a, it's a national trappers holiday apparently because it is also National Boxing Day. Trapper well, day. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen to see where we live on the internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And you can also find us on Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook. And Instagram. So welcome to everyone joining us from any one of those platforms. We're glad you decided to join us today. But kicking it off today, that's right, we have the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lamite, who's back from a long Christmas break of hibernation and Zozo's performances over the weekend. That's right. It is yes. the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lamite. And the crowd goes wild. Happy Happy Kwanzaa, everybody. Today's the first day of Kwanzaa. I thought you were going to say, forgot. I thought you were going to say happy cabbage, happy cabbage day or something like that. It's a, it is a, you know, black Hanukkah. You know what? It didn't like even say that on my, um, it didn't say that on my daily <laughs> calendar that today was the first day of Kwanzaa or else I would have mentioned that on my, my bad. Yeah, like your daily calendar is a uh, culturally that's biased. That's, Jason. It's, it's not my fault. No, I just we'll also have eight crazy nights. Yeah, Kwanzaa is every night's crazy. Yeah, every night's I'll tell you what. That's right. One way or another. But anyways, let's talk about 2023. It's been a mixed bag of a year for the global co uh, cannabis community. As we look to what the future might hold, now's the time for every one of these analytics shops to process what happened before applying their logic and philosophies and offering predictions as to what they believe is going to happen next. High Times' A.J. Harrington reported yesterday that a U.K.-based cannabis data media and tech company, Prohibition Partners, released their fourth edition of its Global Cannabis Report Friday, boldly predicting worldwide legal adult-use cannabis sales to nearly double 
growing to nearly $50 billion in 2027. But should we be listening? The firm credits his bold predictions uh, drivers as momentum in the global cannabis reform and new European rec markets opening over the next three years. In introducing the new report, Prohibition Partners said that North America remains the global powerhouse of legal cannabis with strong state-by-state growth, promising regulatory reform and international isolationism in the U.S., while Canada's strong international presence but challenging domestic environment persists, and also that Europe continues to be a somewhat fragmented and heavily regulated business environment, seeing steady growth concentrated in key countries, incremental but important progress on adult use legalization, and ongoing legal confusion over CBD. The report forecasts global annual sales of recreational cannabis totaling approximately $49.7 billion by 2027, nearly double the current rate of $24.9 billion. It says this growth will largely be driven by continued policy reform in the U.S. and Europe, with North America remaining the global leader in worldwide adult-use cannabis sales. Overall sales of cannabis in Canada, <laughs> cannabis in Canada currently approach uh, $6 billion. Um, or about $4.5 billion in U.S. freedom bucks, with 93% of that uh, global, excuse me, of the total representing recreational cannabis sales and remaining 7% coming from sales of medical cannabis. Legal sales of cannabis in the U.S. totaled about $26 billion in 2022, including $17 billion in recreational cannabis sales and almost $9 billion in sales of medical marijuana. Total legal sales in the U.S. are expected to reach $33 billion by 2027. The Prohibition Partners also takes into account trap sales, which are mostly left out of the public, other public, uh, public-facing data sets, which is why I like this one. Uh, they uh, say the approximate unregulated sales included in the total, this report pegs the entire U.S. market at about $100 billion currently on an annual basis. Adult use can, uh, legalization coming to Europe and in Europe, adult use uh, legalization is still in its infancy, uh, with Malta being the first country to legalize, although on, only nonprofit cultivators and dispensaries uh, are currently allowed to operate. Switzerland is currently testing several pilot program models, and the Netherlands is also trying research-based legalization. Germany's adult use plan expected to go into effect early 2024, and other regions also include an expansion of global cannabis market include Latin America and Africa, which Prohibition Partners says are both slowly moving towards becoming sources of supply for the global industry while keeping access for patients limited domestically. Oceania continues to be a hotspot for growth in both imports and exports, but the Asian market remains virtually untapped, according to the report, with Thailand and Japan cited as notable exceptions. Prohibition Partners senior analyst Alex Kordajai um, co-authored the report and said that the worldwide cannabis industry made new strides over the past 12 months in both adult use and medical reports and projected continued growth going into the new year. In an email to High Times, he wrote, 2023 has been a challenging but progressive year for the global cannabis industry. In Europe, we saw the first legal recreational cannabis sales with the pilot projects in Switzerland and the first recreational cannabis-controlled supply chain sales in Netherlands, as well as progress with Germany's adult use framework. Um, Globally, medical cannabis patient numbers have also been increasing. In North America, the market continues to grow with U.S. states such as Kentucky, Ohio, Minnesota opening their markets to either medical or recreational cannabis. 
We've also seen some progressive reform of cannabis policy globally and advances in commercialization, getting solid foundations for a positive 2024 for the global cannabis as a whole. Um, although 50 billion globally in 2027 seems like a crazy number currently, um, I personally think they might be being a little conservative here. Um, I do like the fact that this um, uh, this this shop outside of America is, is taking into account the trap sales, which nobody else really seems to want to touch uh, because of uncertainty. Uh, but those are just my thoughts on it. Um, global market is in its hockey stick moment right now as we see more reform um, across the board. And we are also seeing uh, more and more folks uh, just leaning towards recreational sales. But um, those are just my thoughts. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. Love to hear what the rest of the team thinks of this one. Why are they called prohibition partners? Because it sounded cheap back in 2017 when they decided they'd snap up and help us to understand things. I just, I, I think probably that's a terrible was name for them. The URL was free. <laughs> it's just, I feel like, I feel like, I, I feel like uh, Project Sam should own Prohibition Partners. What do you think about these numbers, Jason? I mean. I think they're spot on? I think the 50 billion globally by 2027 is very, very conservative number. I think it's going to be a lot bigger than that. I think it could be. Think. I think it could be, but I think a lot of the policy is going to dictate um, uh, wh wh where that number actually is, and how much of that, how much of that number is actually really able to be quantified, and not just just throwing shit on a wall. Right, but I think I think I think also the intersection of uh, technology right now and um, AI being applied across the supply chain globally is going to speed this up even quicker yeah but AI, and I AI, think, uh, people are going to be running AI, yeah, AI. i think people are going to be uh, firing on all cylinders uh, before um uh, pro possibly leapfrogging a lot of this legislation ai ain't quantifying the trap real bro. problem ai ain't quantifying What's the it? trap and neither are they. And I've seen this time and time again when data companies claim that they're taking into account that which they can. That's what these guys are doing. You, you know what? That's why I said. That's why I, I where, actually. Where do they get the info from? Said, yeah, show me the methodology. I think, I, I think, I think right. they get it. I think they get it from Telegram accounts. Well, they said they said approximately. <laughs> they said well, they said right now. They said hey, right now the U.S. Box, is at bro. is at about uh, 25, um, uh, 25 billion. Yeah, but they said, where, where um, are they basing account, it off? They, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And they said they account. They said uh, um, we say that with an asterisk because um, we believe that there's approximately approximately right now the U.S. market is at a hundred billion given all of the illegal sales. So they're uh, they're saying that the illegal sales in the U.S. are three times as much as the legal sales. But, but here's sense. the thing: I don't understand how they. It, that information. I don't. No, they can't. They can't. Like I said, like I said, they can't. But they're the only ones making an attempt to acknowledge. Oh, I mean, we 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 we, we, make, we make attempts every day, Rico. But I we're not getting put in the paper. Walk me through this. So you're like, yo, did the box yeah. rise? Great. Yeah, it did. How's the paper? It checks out. Cool. They could be pushing like, too. They're oh, over in the UK. They could, they, could, they could be the ones. They could be the ones behind all those all those bags being caught up at uh, at London Heathrow. I don't. I don't yeah, know, yeah. Jason. You tell yeah. me. You're over. You're over in the UK more than I am. Promise. Oh, Check boy. in and let Prohibition Partners know the moves I'm making that are off. I think, I think Jason Beck. 
I think I just, Jason yeah. Beck is covertly I uh, feeding information to prohibition partners and giving giving them those uh, those hundred billion dollar numbers. Yeah, I How tabulate. About that? I, I tabulate. That's my conspiracy theory for the morning. Yeah, I tabulate my trap sales and I turn them into to the prohibitionist network. Yeah, that makes a lot of yeah, sense. But the official the official prediction of fifty billion globally. Do you think that's spot on? Do you think that's conservative, like I do? Do you think that is uh, conservative? Is overblowing it. Definitely, I think it's very conservative. I think it's a good start just to throw a number out there. It, it's there's nothing wrong with having placeholder numbers, but I think one of the reasons why other organizations aren't trying to <laughs> extrapolate the trap volume is because it's it, it, extrapolate, if you will. I already I already went there. That was my previous. Uh, it's not my fault. I got the worst microphone on the team, and nobody can hear my funnies. Don't worry, but we'll, the thing we'll is, help you out one day. Understand. I don't understand how anybody can reasonably support their guesstimate. It's good to have a placeholder because it acknowledges that it exists. But Prohibition Partners doesn't have deep legacy connections. How do you know they could have the most pop and television? Okay, we'll take that out internet. of the equation as they did with their fifty billion dollar production uh, pr uh, prediction, and give me your assessment on the fifty billion. The fifty billion number has nothing <laughs> to do with their trap uh, approximations that they're making. I was acknowledging it. I was giving them props for being the only one that actually says, although yeah. we think that it's around a hundred billion dollars, we can't we can't say it is, but you know I mean, we think I it's a hundred billion. I think it's probably bigger. But. I think this. I yeah, think if bigger. you take all the police reports, bigger. I think if you take all the police reports from from one calendar year, and add that all all of that up, I think you could make mm -hmm. an extrapolation and quantify that as what the police caught as ten percent of the overall black market, and then quantify at that valuation that law enforcement gives, and then quantify quantify that, and then you could capture the whole black market. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's interesting the way that they um, they said that they believe that. Latin America and Africa are going to be the biggest exporters uh, when when the dust settles. Well, I think I think well, you look at look at Colombia right now. Look look at Colombia already. Colombia is already one of the largest uh, yeah. exporters. Yeah, Colombia already has. Yeah, think about it. Like Colombia yeah. already has the and the framework with the uh, the global. I mean, like it or not, you know, the global drug trade uh, that has been flowing. They have all the channels. They have all the all the, all the trade routes there. Yeah. And Africa um, Africa like to, has to, the. To, Africa has the cheapest workforce that you're going to find anywhere on the planet. That's oh, not cool. Colombia's pretty cheap, too. Is it, is, it, is it really? It's $5 a pound to grow. So until I bet you it's $3. I bet world, you it's $3 in Africa. Maybe. maybe. $5 is just a one-up you. To compete just a one-up you, Todd. The question <laughs> is, how low of a price per pound can we grow cannabis in foreign countries? The question is... How do we drive the price down to zero by exploiting yet another region of agrarian workers? Let's make sure they don't have any health insurance. Are we providing jobs, Yarrow? I think that's a little, you know, we're providing jobs. Yarrow. Jobs don't matter unless they're sustainable and there's something that somebody can really sink their teeth sustainable, into. Sustainable, that's, that's a greeny word. All right, they just need to be good-paying jobs and help benefit benefit their communities. Good-paying jobs, that's what I Yeah, sustainable. not sustainable. Sustainable is way too much of a greeny word. Yeah. We're gonna start calling yeah, you Yara good, the good Silver. Jobs is, 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 Yara is the Silva. Yeah, yeah, the Silva, Lulu, <laughs> Lulu. Over this, there. Is, this, Lulu uh, this is gonna be a Yara the Silva moment for sure. <laughs> oh man, what do you think? You you you've done some uh, international work, Esteban. What are your thoughts on this? 
I mean, um, truly, uh, there's no other, you know, option for like mass cultivation um, other than Africa or South America. There's just not enough area. There's there's the the labor. Obviously, we we've touched on that. That's a huge part of this. Cannabis is still going to be grown everywhere. You're going to have like the, um, you know, this is going to be just like a regional thing that happens. It's going to be really expensive wines coming from California still course really expensive weed coming from california still but there's just like you know a limited amount of resources here for us to do that we have to go through hoop after hoop to to kind of get into a position and you can go into these other countries and we start making commerce internationally right now so um yeah i think that uh, south america is great i actually have a story about colombia today which is going to be interesting so we are going to dive into this topic a little more later so i'll uh, we'll save some of the comments for then Saman, don't you just call all those hoops the, don't you just call those hoops that everyone has to hop through houses uh I, I I mean this isn't like uh, get us like Friday after next uh, status yeah. where you just house gotta, to house. We got we got we got to go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. We're so smooth on YouTube, but it's so choppy here. Oh, you're going to be all right, Simone. You know what? Because it's choppa, choppa, choppa style. Coming on the stage next, y'all know who it is. It's the Hyatt Nine Head Honcho, the man known for smoking the best weed in the world, wherever he goes. Cannabis Industries' very own Kaiser Sose and Donald Trump's favorite pothead in the world, Jason right. Beck. You know what? You might uh, you might be really really right about that. The crowd goes wild. You might you might be really right about that, Rico. You might be on to something today, just possibly. Well, I'll tell hey, you man. what. Hey, and Adam, there's a picture in this article, if you can if you can grab it up during, if it's possible. Because, let me tell you guys, man, it's the day after Christmas, and you know what? This is for all of the trappers out there heading out to Thailand. And, yep, that. And there's also the picture of, of the dude getting arrested. Because a Vietnamese student in Taipei was nabbed for transporting marijuana, you guys. A Vietna Vietnamese student surrounded or surnamed Wu was caught utilizing an international parcel service to transport drugs from Vietnam to Taiwan, according to an Aviation Police Bureau and Taipei Customs Bureau announcement on Tuesday, December 26th. Authorities had seized two different parcels on July 20th containing what was billed as 17 cans of matcha green tea powder, which was a disguise to conceal the Class II narcotic marijuana. The drug weighed in at 1,168 grams and 1,002 grams, respectively. After checking parcel records, uh, they, they found the recipient was located in Shrenking District, New Taipei City. They contacted the Teowigan uh, District Prosecutor's Office to investigate per CNA, and a task force preliminary investigation found that the recipient of the package was a man named Wu. 
Later, it was found that the uh, consignee had signed for multiple international parcels and had actively tracked the status of such shipments. The police had uh, monitored the individual for many days, finding that he was a Vietnamese student studying in Taiwan and employed on a part-time basis at a hot pot restaurant in Wanahua. It was uh, surprising that Wu did not respond to the parcel service company's calls to pick up the package or sign for the goods. Well, duh. The police eventually decided to apprehend Wu when he left his residence. After investigation, it was found that uh, he had participated in an online group in Vietnam to sell marijuana. And furthermore, he had a search for information on his mobile phone about how to smoke marijuana and how to sell it without being detected. I wonder if that was on ChatGPT. Uh, <laughs> Wu eventually confessed that he had uh, been part of a marijuana selling ring to help subsidize his rent and daily living expenses for just uh, NT, which is the currency, 7,000 uh, NT, which is basically 226 U.S. dollars. He provided his cell phone number and address to receive the illicit package to forward it onward. And at the and at the moment, the case has been transferred to the uh, Teowegan uh, District P- Prosecutor's Office for investigation and prosecution on suspicion of violating the Narcotics Hazard Prevention Act. Well, 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 it's not such a bright, shiny day after Christmas for this guy. But what do you guys have to say about this Taiwanese student who is trapped? I want to know if his weed was included in that survey. What's that, Todd? Was his weed that he was selling included in that last survey? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I bet you they didn't. I bet you they didn't ever. I bet you they didn't. (laughs) Thailand and Japan with asterisks on on, on Asia. Yeah. I bet you. I bet you. Prohibitionists. They, they. They didn't. They didn't quantify this. That's for sure. I would vote for him for mayor because anybody who understands the fundamental connection between cannabis and hot pot is a friend of mine and an ally at the kitchen table. Oh, oh boy. You know what? This. This. This is. This is interesting because you know the whole Taiwan and uh, China U.S. debate heating up, and um, apparently President Xi telling uh, Joe Biden to stand down on Taiwan because Taiwan will be absorbed by the mother country. Like, this is good. It's interesting to mm-hmm. see things heating up out there, how China will uh, react to stuff like this. And if, um, you know, it's being traced to Vietnam, but it's going into Taiwan and, you know, um, how they handle that's probably the... what's happening, Rico. That's probably what's happening. Yeah. The Chinese government's getting all up in their shit and saying, yo, we're about to clamp down on all you foreigners coming into Taiwan to study and to go to school. Um, and they're flexing a little bit, I bet. All these westernized thinkers coming in there thinking that they're going to bring their, you know, that the, uh, the devil's lettuce over here. Like China wants to export that shit. They don't want nothing imported. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're probably going to be uh, start making some ex- examples of people. Yeah, I mean, definitely more sinister than that, probably, when we're talking about the Chinese government. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I think that I think that this guy is like one of many many millions of people in southeast asia that's like hey it's just weed it grows in vietnam grows in laos i mean you know we know that there's a a huge export uh, from america to thailand but there's a lot of like local southeast asian cannabis farmers and cultivation as well so 
you know this is just this is a form of currency if we start looking at it like it's a form of currency then we won't have these issues and i think that's kind of the thing this is trade this is international trade this is an agricultural commodity we need to start adopting those principles when we're kind of disseminating this information globally on, on the other hand, like um, it, it kind of makes me it, it kind of makes me take interest in what the uh, the trap looks like in China right now. Oh, I can tell you what the trap looks like in China. I mean, that's the they, like they trapping they trapping cards, bro. They're they're in that card trapping biz uh, and, and spice. Spice might have calmed down a little bit for him though. I mean, I I I, mean, I, I, I bought I bought some weed in China one time. And uh, and a lot of it, a lot of it actually comes from uh, from from guys who are kids of different um, consulates. Diplomats and stuff. Yeah, different diplomats. Exactly. Different diplomats. And uh, that's that, that, that's that's where I got that's where I got mine from is, you know, they have no they just walk into China. No problem. No, no search. No, nothing. Boom. There's there's the package package there get it in and and there and and from my understanding with the chinese government is as long as you're not selling it to actually chinese and you're only selling it to tourists then they're not going to bother you but but the moment you start selling it to their actual citizens that's when you're going to get a problem well if it was that simple the people doing it wouldn't be the ones who have that diplomatic community right i don't don't know i don't know i mean i mean when when i was in china they i i literally was smoking everywhere and in the chinese culture it's cannabis is not prevalent they don't they they just they just seen it as like you know like typical smoking the people that will snitch on you will be the foreigners that actually know what weed smells like I just had this vision of like you as Kung Fu Panda. Just, I walked up. I walked up to. A, I walked up. I walked up to a cop. And going through the temples and waddling around, just like, oh my god, that was delicious. A little cloud wafting. You're like, I'm good. I know a I diplomat. Pulled, son. I pull. I pulled. I pulled the Todd Dankin while I was out there, and I actually walked up to the cop and I had him light my cigar and everything, and it was no problem. Nice. Jason Beck has a Weibo and a TikTok account. Put that on the. <laughs> Put that on. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah, Kung Fu back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he gets locked up. He's like Dana. Dana. No, Dana. What are you, you doing guys tomorrow? Are so, you guys are so crazy. You guys. Are so no, crazy. I can't make it to New Hampshire. But but listen. Uh, it was. It's actually Maine, Yaro. Yeah. It was it Maine? Yeah, my Maine. my Maine man. My bad. My, my bad. Man. You know, it's where they have good weed at, Yaro. Shout out Maine! Shout out all the weed growers and the hash makers in Maine. Yeah, big up Social credits. He doesn't have enough social credits left to to travel to China anymore. He can't get sponsored. You know, we're gonna keep this train moving. You guys are just uh, utterly ridiculous this morning. I'm glad you guys had a good Christmas. But we're gonna move it into the man who reminds women over fifty how to say hello again. He's a plant formulation specialist, and of course. That's right. It is none other than Mr. Saman Rizani. Hello, hello, hello. Gotta. I wasn't. I wasn't prepared. Gotta get my. Gotta get my shit together here. Um, Must have been busy rolling a joint. And you're I was. About, oh, yeah, busy exactly. One. He delivers. He delivers <laughs> the stories like he's rolling a blunt. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, fuck One you guys. On in two hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop the cap. Stop the cap. All right, give me just a second here. Now I'm off. Now I'm all oh, flustered man. tonight. Now you got me all flustered oh, on, on television. Come on, come on. Remember my first oh, time. Give, give, little, give him a little Christmas, uh, Christmas pass <laughs> over here. I'm still. I'm, I'm actually so full. I can't even think. 
I'm I'm still I'm gonna eat this meal. I think I'm gonna digest this meal for the next like two days. Christmas was great. I hope everyone had a great Christmas, holiday, Kwanzaa, uh, Festivus, uh, Hanukkah. You know all of the all of the celebratory uh, things. I'm I'm a you know, and I'm just trying to be as American as possible since I was a youngster. You know, so Christmas is pretty big uh, in in our in our uh, holiday celebrations. Um, but it's it's meaningless for us other than just the consumerism of it all, just like uh, most everybody else. So <laughs> that's that was our day. Uh, this uh, this article coming from Reuters. This is, a, this is a Reuters article focusing on Colombia. And so hopefully we have some more uh, discussions about the global cannabis trade. Um, from Reuters, focus Colombia's cannabis industry in crisis of regulatory political hurdles. In Sobachoque, Colombia, December 21. More than 17 acres of land owned by a Colombian-Canadian company near Bogota were once meant to grow 25 varieties of cannabis. But over the past year, weeds have overtaken the greenhouses and 200 of its 218 employees have been fired. The company is victim of a long of long-running problems for Colombia's legal marijuana industry, which attracted huge investments after cannabis was legalized for medical use in 2017. At the at the time, Colombia was one of the first countries in Latin America to pass such legalization and held out the promise of legalizing marijuana sales for recreational use next. Six years later, a number of local cannabis producers are facing closure because of regulatory demands for expensive and years-long studies on medicine composition before products can be sold domestically, say industry players. Analysts and sector industry associations say as well. In addition, a law to legalize recreational use of cannabis failed for the fifth time in Congress last week, and a measure coming into force in February will oblige companies to destroy inventories which are over two years old. Sounds like New York. We're going from bad to worse. It's slow agony and the clock is going against us with pressure from partners and without cash flow, said the owners of Colombian Canadian company who asked to, for, who asked for anonymity because they are seeking a new investment um, to save his $20 million business that he set up in 2018. Since cannabis for medical use became legal, the sector has attracted an estimated $500 million in foreign investment, but much of that has not been recouped according to industry group uh, Asacol Canna. Many investors are from Canada, which was itself in the process of legalizing recreational use of marijuana and was considered a potential destination for Colombian exports. The industry overcame regulatory bottlenecks on exports in 2021, but its, but its fortunes have slumped sharply this year. Some 200 companies shuttered this year, bringing the number of closures to 600, or nearly 50% of the companies founded since the law legalizing medical use has passed, according to Asol Khanum. All this comes despite leftist President Gustavo uh, Petro's state, uh, stated ambition to relax the policy on marijuana, whose domestic consumption is higher than that of Colombia's more infamous drug crop, cocaine. Colombian law allows people to grow up to 20 plants and carry up to 20 grams for personal use though selling marijuana is illegal. Unless the sale of cannabis for recreational use is made legal, the local market will remain in the hands of the criminals rather than licensed companies, said Asacol uh, Canna President Camilo de Guzman. Chiron Life Sciences, 
um, ticker KHRN.V, a company with operations in Colombia that is listed in Toronto, has already shuttered a $15 million medical marijuana plantation and a cosmetics line made with cannabis. It still serves about 5,000 patients in the clinics in Colombia, where it is allowed to distribute personalized cannabis-based medications, but has closed similar clinics in the United Kingdom, Brazil, and Peru. Marijuana is not covered by Colombian insurance providers. A huge break on sales, said Chiron President Alvo Torres. Several industry executives said that they expect more industry-friendly rules, including those needed for insurers to cover marijuana for medical use would follow the 2017 law, but the progress has been slow. If the regulation is achieved, industry could grow again. The problem is how to hold on until then, Torres said. Chiron stock was trading at $4.05, uh, five Canadian cents, uh, dollars, in, uh, in 2019, but slumped to four cents uh, on the in Canadian dollars is in May, the last time it was traded. Without a legal domestic market for cannabis, companies operating out of Colombia are limited to pursuing export exported sales from which an average uh, from which average five million a year, according to government trade organization Pro Colombia. It was a mistake not developing the markets before, said Mauricio Kraus, director of Plena Global, which exports to the UK, Germany, Israel, and Australia. We don't have a, a local market where we can support cash flow. In response to Reuters questions, Colombia's food and medicine regulator, INVIMA, said in most cases, those seeking authorization for medical marijuana products pres present incomplete documentation. It is necessary to comply with established legal and technical requirements, it said. The ministries of health, uh, justice, and agriculture, also known to have a hand in marijuana regulation, did not respond to the request for comment. The Petro government has not detailed why regulation on marijuana front has been slow, but the trouble echoes those of the past two pre, uh, of the past two administrations who face similar issues. And that's the story out of Colombia today, guys. What do you all have to say about um, you know the similarities you know between between the U.S. and the you know. Uh, uh, external, you know, U.S. markets. Uh, I don't think Colombia is necessarily unique to this. I think it's all over. But, you know, there's a distinct difference in the way that our businesses work. The dispensary model here versus, you know, the um, the pharmacy model in other countries, namely Colombia, as we as we heard in the story. So, I mean, what what do we think? I mean, there's obviously more um, there's more of a local market developed in America, but we have our issues. Um, what would we prefer? Would we prefer a, a, an open market where we could distribute through um, pharmacy, or do we think dispensaries are better? And what do we think about uh, you know holding on for dear life like everyone's doing in America with with their cannabis industry? Let's hear from you guys. The only difference between a defense a dispensary and a pharmacy. Simon is the spelling. They and that you have to have a they pharmacist. Serve, they serve the exact. Yeah, they serve the exact. They serve the exact same purpose. Okay. Yeah, but the, you the requirements. In, you walk in. You, you you walk in to get your weed and you walk out. Okay, it's the same thing. It's different. It's a specialty in drug. Countries. Right? It's a specialty pharmacy. Yes. I can't get Tylenol in your place. Right. Right can't you know buy a bandage if for they, my sprained if, ankle in your place if, if if they allowed us to sell those types of things we would sell them if people were buying them of course of course but they won't <laughs> right 
um, with, with Colombia, I know they're dealing with a, like a lot of the same issues um, because a lot of these folks are still waiting on U.S. to make the first move. Right, they're still waiting on U.S. to make the first move to uh, to, to move forward on a lot of this stuff, and investors are getting antsy uh, with that. Um, I think it just goes back, you know, just follow the money. Like, how long ago were a lot of these mega corporations that have these giant grows and shit everywhere? Um, how long ago were they incorporated? Uh, their runway might be running out right now. Whereas well, we eclipsed that uh, the, the magical five-year number. Was a lot of these companies, they pretty much had a blank check going into five years, and now they're reflecting on that, like, yo, why has this not lifted off yet? And so I think we're going to see a lot of these Colombia is more of an established market, but um, the the longer that everybody else waits on the U.S. to set precedent on a lot of these things, um, the more of uh, these quote unquote crises we're going to see. You know what it sounds like to and me, the stronger Rico? the trap will get in each of these nations too. You know what it sounds like to me, Rico? Sounds like what's that? Sounds like binomics have have impacted Colombia. <laughs> five years ago, who was the president? Five years ago, Jason. <laughs> Who was the president five years but, ago? But here's the reality, too, is Colombia, <laughs> we're talking about one of the most corrupt places, right? So it's like... Right on the planet, right? Half, what, half a billion dollars of investment capital went in. How much of that actually went to the businesses and, like, you know, supporting a foundational infrastructure rather than greasing the wheels of the political wheels um, uh, to get a license or to get... Definitely an need to be greased. If you don't, if you don't <laughs> have any sure. greasing on the political wheels, you don't really have an industry. Especially in a place like that. So, yeah. So do you think it takes more money? Does it take billions more to create the foundation that they're looking for to sustain an actual, uh, a, you know, Colombian marketplace? Or do we think that people are just going to grow their weed in places like that, smoke their own shit, and they don't really care locally? And this is just I think places like I think yeah, places like care. that. They're not going to let those they're not going to let those plants go to waste. They're going to use them for something. <laughs> They're not going to throw them out like two hundred million dollars worth of light bulbs into the trash. Oh man! Hey. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> there he is. So, That's right. so the thing is, I think I think when we talk about Colombia, Colombia has always, I think, provided great promise for export. A lot of what I saw in this article was challenges domestically, and I still think that it has some very compelling attributes in terms of its equatorial location, soils, the agrarian uh, populations, the land race strains that come there. So in, in the long term, I think Colombia could continue to be uh, very, very important. When you read about these articles and it's Canadian companies that are operating in Colombia, I can't help but wonder how much of it is the Colombia issue and the Colombia regulations versus Canadian companies going out and replicating Canadian mistakes that have yep. already impacted other markets, other countries, other import export arrangements. Great point. So, would you call so, that you know would you, I, when I, would you would you call that Yaro a Canadian booth trap? <laughs> CBT? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take the maple syrup and the moose. You can have the booth trap. But I think that when we talk about other markets and we see that it's Canadian multinationals in those other markets, we need to look at it with a, a, just a, a bit more granular lens because how much of that is that market? How much of that is that Canadian hubris that they're, and, uh, or, or uh, replication of, of bad choices, bad executional missteps, et cetera, et cetera? Um, 
it's too bad though because I think I think Colombia does have a place on the on the world stage for cannabis. And uh, I think absolutely so. I agree with you. One hundred percent. Like you were saying, it, it has the. It's seventy-two degrees every single day of the year. It's got twelve hours of sunlight, twelve hours of darkness, right? Every single day. I mean, and, and like and it's Colombia, un, it's a farming country. From they, the, everybody farms from the word go. Uh, they can flip them their, from the uh, uh, you know coca growers. To the, the government was working their, with is uh, is people who are growing you know the coca leaf to grow cannabis. Mm-hmm. Working with a company down there uh, a couple of years ago and. It's difficult to uh, get things moved along, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. And this company partnered travel. with local tribes uh, and sharing the uh, the profit with them. They shared yeah. it with the far. They shared it with the FARC. With the FARC, but the local tribes. I'm sure the FARC had their hand out too, right? And you know, the government has their hand out. Everyone's got their hand out. Mm-hmm. You know, all they need is a Persian down there. We'll have Iran Contra. Times two. Oh, two God. Point. You know, on that, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Yeah, Jason. Oh, shout out God. to Ronnie Reagan, the devil himself. Right. No, boy. <laughs> the control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 rpms it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date the control tower from highly educated oh man and we're back oh stop whatever you're doing make sure you hit that like button also make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not subscribed already and all of the articles that we read on today's show you can read on our website at www.hyatt9news.com I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah. You know what it is. We just stretched, and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Yes, and your berries. <laughs> your berries. <laughs> He's a second-generation cultivator that doesn't always believe in second chances. <laughs> also, the founder of Special Teams Consulting. Y'all know who it is. Up next, the Sebastopol stage, stage, sage himself, Yarrow Kubrin. And the crowd goes wild. The crowd goes as wild as they can, digesting after Christmas and. Happy belated uh, uh, Hanukkah too, man. We didn't give enough uh, love to Hanukkah this year, man. So big yeah, up with the Hanukkah. I'll, I'll use a, when we come back from the next commercial. I'll use my Hanukkah screensaver in the back and spin your dreidel, baby. Represent, represent. So good morning, good morning. Tuesday, December twenty-sixth. This is Yarrow Kubrin. Hi at Nine News. My article today is about New uh, New Jersey. 
Nuns fail to block new Atlantic City pot dispensary. Just feet from a covenant. Nuns fail the Mississippi one. <laughs> the, the, You're doing the Mississippi one. <laughs> I'm doing the nuns. Oh, all right. That didn't sound we right, but you know what I meant. Oh, boy. Okay, oh, boy. there's no communion way for involved. He's, he's but anyway, nuns. nuns fail to block new Atlantic City pot dispensary, just feet from Covenant. Catholic nuns in Atlantic City, New Jersey, have lost out on their bid to block a cannabis dispensary just 150 feet from their Covenant as local officials seek to make the area the pot capital of the East Coast. The Casino Reinvestment Development Authority, which acts as the city's planning agency within the tourism district, recently approved two planned dispensaries, including the one by the Covenant, a business that would take the place of a former dry cleaners. Members of the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal Covenant on Mississippi Avenue in the gambling mecca have argued that they host classes, including some for teenagers, and sobriety meetings at their location, and therefore should not have a dispensary so close. They added in the CRDA that they were concerned about crime escalating in the area as a result of a new dispensary, too. I'm actually Dutch, so I grew up in a country where marijuana was legalized, and I've seen a lot of things over the years, Sister Joseph Van Munster said at a November hearing, according to a transcript obtained by the press of Atlantic City. She said there were already problems in the neighborhood with illicit drug use and alcohol use and argued that a new dispensary could be harmful for those dealing with substance abuse issues and working towards recovery. But all the casinos not. But the CRDA approved the application for the proposed new dispensary near the Covenant. New Jersey law does not prohibit cannabis dispensaries from opening near such sites as it does with schools. Neither the Covenant nor CRDA responded to posts requests for comments on Monday. The approval of the pot dispensary near the Covenant was the second time the board has okayed such a business in Atlantic City despite concerns from church officials, according to the press. Over the summer, members of the Chelsea Baptist Church spoke out against a planned cannabis business about a block away, but that, too, wound up being approved by the board. They don't want to go anywhere else near the casino, but they don't care where else they go. They don't want them anywhere near the casino, but they don't care where else they go, Pastor Tom Weir told the press in September. He claimed that the board simply told church members to install video cameras or hire a tow truck company to keep unwanted vehicles off their lot when they expressed concerns about people smoking weed near their place or a place of worship or committing crimes. It seemed to me at the meeting they were all gung-ho, Weir said, of board support of the move. As far as I know, if it's there, we just have to put up with it. The CRDA rarely disapproves applications for new cannabis businesses in Atlantic City, which was already approved which already has approved applications for indoor weed farms, a women-owned dispensary inside a former church, and an Amsterdam-style cannabis lounge. Mayor Marty Small's administration sees these new businesses as a powerful economic engine, potentially bringing in new jobs and new investments into the city. My focus is to make Atlantic City great, to make Atlantic City and the East Coast a hub for cannabis, Kashawn Cash McKinley told the city's cannabis czar. Per capita, the cannabis businesses that have already received approvals as of April would make Atlantic City the densest cannabis city in the state, according to the outlet. This is Yarrow Kubrin, Hyatt 9 News. I'd like to know what you guys think. I think the names in this... And this yeah. story alone make it a great uh, candidate for the next awesome Tubi movie. <laughs> you know, you have the nuns being shut down. 
<laughs> by Mayor Marty Smalls, <laughs> the cannabis czar, Kayshawn Cash McKinley. Should we call him Mighty Smalls? <laughs> I mean, Smalls are the most popular yeah. popular skew right now. There's so much potential. That is so funny. <laughs> yes. And of course, his name is Smalls and he's in Atlantic City. Yes. I mean, this is this is yeah. an interesting one because we have these these sensitive use setbacks, and the majority of the time that includes any church of any denomination. But it sounds like this co- covenant, covenant, convent, convent. Sorry, I don't I don't kick it with a lot of nuns anymore. Convents and convicts anymore. Which ones you anymore? That's a, that that was when I was wild and crazy. Okay, I'm I'm mellow now. Okay, but but there are these sensitive use setbacks. And and the, the ones that seem to always uh, have consensus is schools and churches, right? And so how you define schools becomes that next step. Does that include preschools? Does that include only schools on the first floor? What about schools on the second floor that don't interact with street traffic? Uh, yada, yada, yada. And so with these places of religious worship, if you're talking about a place that doesn't include access to the public for praying— then it probably doesn't fall under those same sensitive use setbacks. The only challenge that I have is this idea that um, this could interfere with uh, their recovery activities. I could see if there was odor from a consumption lounge, but if you're in like Sin City East and you're surrounded by a lot of casinos, it seems like there's probably a lot of sinning going on uh, with or without cannabis dispensaries. I would think that they would welcome the sin because that would just give them more people to reach out to, to, to evangelical to. Right. Increases their flock. Yeah. Feed exactly. the flock. Yeah. <laughs> flock funnel. It's just more flock people, funnel. people for them. It's good for the goose and always good for the gander. It's, it's it's more new, people it's, for them to reach out to. It's guys <laughs> and dolls Dispensary will start start selling bio Jesus. We'll be out there on the uh, on the street pimping it out. Mm-hmm. Maybe oh, maybe you know, I mean, you got to watch you know, out uh, out there in Atlanta. I'm, I'm not a, and this yeah. I'm I'm not a huge fan of these Benzinga stories because they always take and redistribute from other like like larger stories because um, they took like a like sister. What's her name? Um, uh, uh, sister Joseph Van Munster. They just took like that the, the bullshit quote that they use in there. It says Sister Joseph Van Munster, drawing on her Dutch experiments uh, with legal marijuana, told the CRDA at a hearing that a new dispensary could be harmful uh, for people dealing with the substance abuse issues, working towards recovery. And then her quote that they used in here is, "I'm actually Dutch, so I grew up in a country where marijuana is legalized. So I've seen a few things. What has she seen?" Few things. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Things. I mean, she's clearly she's, <laughs> she's seen a few things. Wait, hold on. When you are none and hard, when you are none and hard, when you are nose to the book, when you are proselytizing, when you are filling the funnel of the flock, you don't know. You don't know what she's seen. I've seen a thing or two in my day. Oh, tell you what. You think oh, she's seen a tell priest you one diddling thing. a small boy, right? Oh. <laughs> you know, and on that, on that, we're going to keep this train rolling right here. We're going to move right on in to Mr. Todd Denkin. He's the founder of DigiPath Labs out there in Las Vegas, Nevada, as well as the Smuggleverse, where you can purchase all of your digital dank. That's right. It is coming up next. It is none other than Mr. Todd Denkin, the voice himself. Yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you all very much. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and whatever you celebrate. I hope you're having a good one also. The story is in the testing world. Mississippi regulators place a hold on a large number of medical marijuana after receiving an anonymous phone call, uh, which is kind of silly as well. After an anonymous phone call alleged that rapid analytics testing lab was not conducting the proper procedure for pesticides, Mississippi State Department of Health placed an administrative hold on all medical cannabis products that underwent testing at the Natchez, Mississippi-based facility, uh, based on what Mamie Henry said, who is a lab spokesperson. have no basis for anything except an anonymous call, which has shut the entire industry down pretty much because we do 70% of the testing in the state. We told the Mississippi Free Press on Thursday, Dispensaries cannot sell any cannabis that rapid analytics tested until the MSDH provides further instruction. Also added, it may cause some dispensaries to actually shut down. It's going to cause them to lose several weeks of sales. So added, dispensaries have been notified by the Mississippi Medical Cannabis Program of the products that can't be sold while the hold and retesting takes place. Dispensaries have been asked to close, and it is not all products that are on hold. Wednesday morning, the MSDH emailed Rapid Analytics to tell them about the anonymous tip. Both groups had an emergency Zoom meeting to review the lab's procedures and cannabis testing reports the past couple of months, Henry said. Mississippi has two medical cannabis labs, Rapid Analytics and Steep Hill, Mississippi, in Jackson, Mississippi. All cannabis that Steep Hill has tested still considered safe for patients to consume. Cultivators or cannabis growers must send their products to at least one of the testing labs before they can sell the medical cannabis to dispensaries. Cultivators choose to send their products to both companies for testing, like 74 Sons in Canton, Mississippi, Sultan Hardy Case said. All of 74 Sons medical cannabis is still good to sell and will be on dispensaries' shelves since Steep Hill approved the products, he added. Dispensaries, a lot of them right now, have products on their shelves that have already been tested and passed, but now, because of the administrative hold, they can't sell it, Case told Mississippi Free Press. It's just sitting there, even though that product may be perfectly fine. Reassured patients, cultivators, and dispensary owners that the lab is dealing with it very, very, very rapidly and very professionally. There was three varies in the quote, which I find amazing. Uh, and very professionally to ensure the state opens up as quickly as possible. Rapid Analytics is retesting all cannabis samples, even though the MSDH does not require them to do extra analysis, she added. We're at the most respected and the most used lab in the entire state, so I don't know who would make this anonymous call, Henry said. It may cause some dispensaries to actually shut down. Into the Mississippi... Medical cannabis industry is an expensive, difficult process. Having issues from one of the state's two testing labs can be detrimental to patients and dispensaries. The case also had so many hurdles to jump through as a state and as an industry as a whole in Mississippi. So it's just really disappointing that whatever happened with rapid analytics wasn't handled immediately and rectified so the patients wouldn't basically be hit with a huge shortage. Trees and cultivators are waiting for guidance from the MSDH. And they say that uh, they provided everything to the state they requested, and everything they are doing is correct. 
Product delays or recalls is never optimal, but Case said the improper protocol claims not have come at a worse time. Henry said the complaint seemed to be a strategically timed with Christmas this week. As the holidays are approaching, Case said patients are trying to stock up on cannabis. They might have trouble finding it at their local dispensary. According to Case, said, I've talked to one of my employees this morning. He went to a dispensary locally, and they didn't have any product. May cause some dispensaries to actually shut down. They are really <laughs> driving this point of this might actually shut down dispensaries. Mississippi Medical Cannabis Program issued a statement on December 21st informing patients the medical cannabis product on hold. It said, protect the health and safety of medical cannabis patients Administrative hold has been placed on large number of medical cannabis products. Retesting can be conducted to ensure the various products meet regulatory standards. Also added, the Mississippi Medical Cannabis Program is taking swift action to address the situation with retesting being done as quickly as possible. Another problem with testing labs in the industry, I'm Todd Dankin with Hyatt 9 News. Um, but honestly, an anonymous call to shut down um, you know, anything without an investigation, in my opinion, is ridiculous. Right? And uh, honestly, if you're auditing ab data, it's really simple because you look right on the instrument, make sure whatever's on the instrument is, um, you know, reflected on the COA. So it is an easy audit trail that um, you can find out if someone is cheating and to close down uh, and put all of these dispensaries out of business out the investigation is silly. Uh, and honestly, the only way they can prove that they're doing everything right is to retest it, but retest exact same samples. So whatever it is they have left over, not brand new samples um, from the facility. Anyway, what do you guys think? Todd, man, oh man, I'm willing to bet that this anonymous caller isn't so anonymous. Oh, yeah? You think yes. it's another lab calling the calling the other lab who had seventy percent of the market share? I think I think it definitely smells something like that, or maybe it was some regulator that just wanted this, to close the whole thing down, and they and they had it called in. This sounds eerily similar to what happened to uh, um, to Veritas Labs in Michigan uh -oh. when they had that two hundred fifty million dollar recall yep. that was not founded by anything. And then they attempted to sue the state, and the and the state shut that shut that lawsuit down, claiming that it's not federally legal. So you know, uh, you're shit out of luck. <laughs> yep, this does, this, this does a lot sound like that. In I mean, pre in previous life, when in between being a total teenager and a twenty something something, there was a chapter where I was a rave promoter. And I used to get all the permits and deal with the police and, and, and get like, you know, these permits to do these, we call oh them electronic music. I can totally see. I, I, I would love to see. I, I would love see. to see some flip phone, some flip phone video footage of Yaro Kubrin in the black I want to see. I want to see. I want to see Yaro selling selling glow sticks and twenty dollar waters. That was probably you. I was a little bit of, on, the, on the food chain in terms of the glow stick sales, but I executive produced about 18 of these. But it was a rough and tumble time, and even though we got permits, it was a full contact sport, and people would guard a date, uh, and if they didn't want anybody, anybody else's events happening that Saturday night, they'd do anything they can. 
And one of the techniques that they would do if there was a competing party is they would call in and say that there was a bomb at that other party because the police couldn't not take this bomb threat seriously. They'd go to this event, they'd shut down the music, it would ruin the vibe for 15 minutes, a bunch of dogs would come through or something. And it was a pretty despicable way of um, blocking your competitors, right? I, I can't imagine the, what happened with this unsubstantiated claim. You know, I could just see it like a 12-year-old with one of those Radio Shack voice changers uh, hello, ma'am, there's Asper. You know, like, how, how do you get an unsubstantiated claim and not investigate who's claiming it, why they're claiming it, where did the call come from, did we trace the IP well, address? Oh, in, like, in Nevada, well, in Nevada yeah, they ha it's yeah, part the of the legislation that if they get any kind of complaint, they have to investigate it, whatever it is. And, you know, the CCB in Nevada spends a lot of time doing that because a lot of people do complain. You know what? Yara, the reason why I'm drawing par parallels with the Michigan <clears throat> with the Michigan case is because they were uh, allegedly snitched on by a small lab that was losing business to Jeez. various labs, and they said that they were cooking their they said that they're cooking their books. They said that they were uh, their lab shopping, like all this other crazy stuff. And it was a small like social equity um, um, lab that was complaining about this there was no proof of anything there was no hard evidence of anything there was just higher lab numbers than what they were uh, producing and um the state looked into it and shadily uh off you know off boarded a bunch of um of of, of those uh legislators that were on the cannabis czar's team and um, nobody really heard about that and this, this this thing made it all the way up to the supreme court and um it was just stomped out they're like nope nothing to see here um, I think this is um, uh, this is unfortunately this is a um, uh, in 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 my mind I think this is a notch on the board and on the side of um, those looking to legalize quicker, uh, right? And um, the reason I say unfortunately because I'm not pro legalization. I, I, I want to de decriminalize like everything, right? <laughs> as I keep things the way uh, as much as we can, keep them the way they are. Uh, but um, yeah, the lab race is heating up and you have a lot of these uh, folks that are, they're in bed with narrative, not necessarily with who is in uh, in charge of the state, but they are in, in bed with who follows the narrative of who's in charge uh, of the state. And in, in, in Michigan, unfortunately, you know, um, they're riding with the folks that um, not necessarily have a leg to stand on, mm -hmm. you know, and we can see more and more of this happening. And uh, as we go towards quote unquote states rights, when it comes to lab testing, how they oh, operate boy. and all that stuff, if they are following the narrative, if they are staying in good graces of the powers that be like, you're not going to get bothered mm -hmm. when you go out and do stuff like this, like, and you don't, you're not in the pocket of uh, those legislators. Right. That's it's such a paradox. What we really need, um, you know, is just a, a blanket standardization that everyone has to follow so that there's you know, one method. No, we don't. Yep. There, there's not one method for running. all. The, of these yeah. But the flip side to that is, is there a blanket no, methodology for growing weed? Right. No, no. But that doesn't matter. It's the lab testing. It's the what it's do you mean it doesn't matter. Quantification of these things that's fucking all this up. Right. It's like I'm you can, all, whatever, all whatever standardization, but in your can cannabis grow, you go to the lab to verify your product. So you can spend $5, you can spend $5 million making your grow, but that lab holds your entire business in its hands. So if there's not one blanket methodology to, to conduct testing on all these, to calibrate instruments, 
to to do sample preparation, all these things, Todd. There's going to be these variables, and it's going to and and someone's business hangs in the balance. That's that's fucked. Right. So if you don't have, I, t- I totally agree. And, you know, at, we, we take that very, very seriously. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and, you know, some labs do, some labs don't. We definitely do. You're right. I recommend the state trying that, to do that, business. but it's tough. I'm all for standardization. I, I just don't think it's an easy task to make happen. It, there's different brands of, of instrumentation. What if I want to buy this and you want to buy that? That's why we all there's have different, to fight for there's different companies for that the sell standards. I've tested different company standards that were 10 or 12% off. Don't oh. test my standards, please. Those are very near and dear to me. But what I, what I would just say is that- You have standards? You have standards? Separate from standardization and ISO 17,000 or whatever and how long it's going to take until everybody does things the same way. There should be a standard for what we do when there's an allegation and there's no proof yet. And how do we protect the supply chain? Because the end goal is protecting the consumer. Is the consumer protected by something that's an overreaction? No. Is a consumer protected by something that's an underreaction? No. And so it would just be nice if they had a SOP for when they received an allegation and they did some additional spot testing. But if there's no smoke and there's no fire and it only takes one nefarious call to shut down a supply chain, it's too sensitive and it has the ramifications can be too large for a new, new all right, you should go be you should go be Diddy's lawyer, bro. With that explanation, bro, you should go be Diddy's lawyer. He could use you, he use you in court. But like, oh, let me, but like, Damn, let me say, there are, there are SOPs for this. There, it's what does the lab say? What does the quantification of the day of that data say? That's the problem. So, the chicken, the egg, the cart, the horse, same. You know, it's like we gotta take care of one. Look, to take there's care good of- doctors and good lawyers and bad doctors and bad lawyers and good growers and bad growers and lab guys and bad lab guys i mean there just are right i mean yeah labs that they're you look it's a thc war in california can you get accurate results in california can you i think that's i think that's every state but we got we, we, we got to keep this we got, we got to keep this train train rolling and and yarrow and yarrow on on your little um uh, uh a bomb threat thing uh comment you know, f- funny thing about that is that I remember back in the day when uh, when a lot of my friends didn't have their homework done or weren't prepared for certain tests or whatnot, uh, they would call in a bomb threat to the school and we would all get evacuated out to the front of the school and uh, and therefore the test would be averted because we they would have to investigate that. So, so I I wouldn't put it past that. I wouldn't put it past that if people are doing. Jason, that. you got one more for us today. Yes. While you're followed around by that gray sedan everywhere you go. No oh boy. <laughs> Want to volunteer, you guys? That's right, because these Delaware community events give you weed in exchange for help. When it came uh, time to present the pot grant the ganja or bestow the bud however you want to say it the organizers of delaware's first joints for junk decided to hand out the promised pre-rolls at the start of the two-hour trash cleanup in merrillsboro fall this fall 
While the Dar Delaware Cannabis Advocacy Network has been organizing community events ever since its founding back in 2013, this was the first time it was doing one since marijuana was legalized in Delaware eight months ago. So the nonprofit advocacy group brainstormed a new way to attract volunteers, give out grass. And they didn't even wait until the volunteers put in the work first. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like Hunter Biden had something to do with this because it's in <laughs> Delaware. People pre-registered, showed up, signed a waiver, and we gave them a joint, says Zoe Patchell, president of Delaware Can. And actually, nobody took the joint and left. It was a really positive, inspiring day. That's in quotes. Once uh, they landed on the catchy event name, they had to find a location for the community service project, eventually landing in Millsboro, the Sussex County town of about 7,000, whose council had just voted to prohibit the sale and manufacturing of marijuana. In quotes, there was a significant community support there while we were involved in opposing the vote. So it just seemed like a great place to do it, Patchell says. So did the cannabis giveaway work? It sure did. The event even drew more than 50 volunteers over the age of 21, with each getting a pre-rolled joint, which was donated by members of the nonprofit group. Under the new Delaware law, anyone can gift an adult up to an ounce of marijuana, in quotes. It was probably one of the best turnouts for a community service project, Patchell says, adding that volunteers didn't light up on site, and there were a number of new people we had never met before, and a few of them even became members. More than two dozen bags of trash were collected from the area surrounding the Millsboro Town Center and the same place where the town council voted against marijuana just six weeks prior at November 6th public hearing. From uh, 10 a.m. to noon, six teams were deployed in fluorescent yellow vests to pick up any garbage they found using large garbage bags and and uh, bags of the same color. While there were no issues reported on their first Joints for Junk project, some residents came out from their homes to ask what was happening as they saw the brightly dressed volunteers roaming the neighborhood. It was a really positive reception, Patchell says. We just told them we were here to make Millsboro more green. And Delaware Can usually hosts two major community cleanups each year and is planning another Joints for Junk event this spring. Uh, expect the same setup as in Millsboro and come out and help and receive some reefer for your time. So where will the next one be? They haven't locked in the location just yet. And in quotes, they say, we just want to show everyone that cannabis consumers care about the community. And a lot of the negative stereotypes stereotypes are simply not true, says Patchell, whose group is now working on expanding expungement, increasing access for medical patients, home cultivation and more. We care just like everybody they say well 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 joints for junk you guys a whole bunch of trash and it's probably trash weed that they gave out too but what do you guys think <laughs> joints for junk i think it's a great idea joints for anything it's like cash for bunkers mm -hmm. <laughs> right. exactly <laughs> exactly joints for junk <laughs> what do you guys think i think uh if you had all the weed, I, I, if you had all to do with Delaware, the Bidens, I want to stay away from. If you, if you had, I, I was, I was going to leave the Biden name out of this because you know, we're talking about Delaware and everything. And to, to me, that's the first thing that comes to mind. It is. I, and I can't stand I it. I can't stand it. It's, I, I'm just saying. I'm just, me too. I'm saying, I'm saying. I, smoke I just wonder, Jesus. I just wonder since it was so much junk. Okay. If they put it in their trunk, 
Were they advertising that they had junk in the trunk? Oh, 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 oh. I don't know. Oh, a you dad joke doesn't? from a guy who's not even a dad. Yes, that's right. but so, I mean, he says, yeah. so he says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sure do have a rather uh, the large affinity for dad jokes. Just saying, Jason. Yeah. Just Jason's, saying. Jason's a great uncle. Uncle I'm Jason's amazing. You know, he's, Uncle he's, Jason. He's, he's the he's the source. He's the source of all the dad jokes. He's uh, like I'll the tell you what, the, the, I'm a father yeah, to many. It's like a father thing. to us all. I'm a father, father to Jason. many, yes. Father to many. When I gave up, when I gave up my title. Father to many uh, trappers. When I, when I gave up my title as world's greatest uncle, you know what? I gave up my privileges, my rights. Traps and give a baby back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those babies, you know, those babies, uh, when, you're the, when you're the uncle, babies come with a warranty. Mm-hmm. That little thing starts leaking. Oh, man. <laughs> start, you got a warranty. It starts for making you? weird noises. You can hear a grandfather too. That also works. So. <laughs> I thought that's why they made diapers. <laughs> you stuck with that. You stuck with that decision when oh, you're a dad. Boy. So just remember that, Jason. Just remember. Just stick with it. So, um, as we call to a close to our first day of Kwanzaa programming. <laughs> I like to thank out, you all Rico. for joining us. Could take us Yet out. another episode of High at Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments posted live on the big screen, and our live audience and online supporters catching us across all of media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondents tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. To our production team, cloud media partners, our sponsors, keeping the lights on and our AV struggles to a minimum. And big shout out to Adam behind the scenes. I don't know if he's there today, but um, I'm sure your hair looks great, Adam. I'm sure it looks great. Y'all, y'all don't believe me, man. Wait till y'all see a picture of Adam. He has this shit perfectly feathered. He's looking like feather, a, a young BG. That's right. Looking like a young looking BG. Looking like Kenny Loggins. Looking like the Ashkenazi. <laughs> <laughs> Michael McDonald on the track. As always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason we show up to read these stories every single day. Thank you, baby girl. It has been Tuesday, the day after Christmas, the first day of Kwanzaa, December 26th. The show's over. You've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope it's enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. Sebastian Paul Sage, <laughs> Sarasota, uh, Santa, you got it for today, man. <laughs> Yahoo, take us out. I know what you were trying to do there, but your handoff was the equivalent of a grand mal seizure in the middle of. I might have a little something extra in my tea today, bro. <laughs> maybe it's the day after Christmas. You, you, you might have dog, a little baby. extra in your tea, but you just teabagged me. That was not a handoff. <laughs> Here's wow. the okay, all you who watch this, share it, smash the like button. We will see you tomorrow. Yes, yes. much love, VRO. Much you know love. Make sure to fight for those higher standards, people.